And I'm Rebecca Lair, and this is the Mashup Americans, the show for Hyphen America, people like us with their feet in two worlds, or more worlds, or more feet? More feet. Well, the challenge of having your feet in more than two worlds is that you run out of feet, but maybe we can just put our hands down. It's like Twister. We just make it work. (laughs) Well, that's what mashups do. We make it work. And speaking of making it work, shout out to Tim Gunn, we're going to be in the fashion world today with a woman who is making it work and then some. Mm Mm-hmm. Bethany Yellowtail, fashion designer and boss of Be Yellowtail and Be Yellowtail Collective, is today's mashup to know. Bethany is a Northern Cheyenne and Crow Nation mashup, and she's not just in the fashion biz, she is changing it. This man came up to me, and he had some um, really, really beautiful beaded earrings. He asked me, I was wondering if you wanted to buy these. $15, I just need gas money. And I was like, you know, excited at first. I was like, oh my gosh, these are beautiful. And then I got really sad because, like, he was selling it for 15 bucks when these earrings should have cost 125 bucks minimum. And it, like, hit me hard. I'm like, how can I have this platform and not do anything about it? So that's how The Collective was born. Uh, always thinking about mashups and business and how we make sure to know our value and get paid for all of our ideas and for, you know, our culture. <laughs> yes, I love how she recognized it and just and made it happen for her whole community. She is a boss and she's just so inspiring. Sounds like a mashup to know. We have more mashups to know coming your way, so don't miss a single episode. Subscribe, become a regular listener on applepodcast.com slash mashup or Stitcher or Overcast, literally wherever you listen, and leave us a rating. We want to hear from you. Today, we are so, 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 so happy to be talking with Bethany Yellowtail, the delightful and brilliant fashion designer and businesswoman. She's the founder, owner, and designer of Be Yellowtail, her fashion line whose motto is indigenously designed for all. It's fashionable and beautiful, and we are here for it. Mm -hmm. Have I tried to buy the bodycon dress four times, but it is always out of stock? Mm -hmm. Yes. Also, I need new Spanx in order to wear the bodycon dress. But we don't need to get into that right now. Um, Bethany is also the force behind Be Yellowtail Collective, a platform for selling art by Native American and First Nations artisans, including textiles, jewelry, and accessories. So she's not just making fashion news. She's also helping to amplify the art of her fellow Indigenous artists. So Bethany grew up with her family on the Crow Reservation in Montana. She came to LA at 17 to attend FIDM, the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. We were literally laughing from the minute we sat down with her. So here we go. So, Bethany. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Bethany Yellowtail, how do you mash up? Um, I'm from the Northern Cheyenne and Crow Nations out of southeastern Montana. I currently live in Los Angeles, where I am super single, trying to navigate being an indigenous woman dating in L.A. Oh, God. What is that like? It's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst. I can only imagine the Tinder profiles. It's just, like, so... <laughs> Bastila, which means like white. <laughs> Wait, what's the word for white? Um, Bastila. Bastila. Yeah, I'm taking it. I'm gonna just appropriating it oh right now. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went on this thing where I'm like, put on my Instagram, just my personal one, and I was like teasing with my friends. I'm like, 
send help. I just swiped right on some white guys. <laughs> and they were like, oh, God, what's happening? Um, so I'm like, but there's nothing in between. Do you have sort of a hierarchy of people you would like to date? Is that like? I mean, I would love to date a Native man. I would love to marry a Native man and have Native children because, like, most tribes have um, blood quantum mm. uh, requirements to be enrolled um, as a tribal member. Blood quantum is like the um, amount you are. Amount you are. It's like a dog pedigree, which is horrible. It's not tribe implemented. Um, I mean, now tribes use it as policy, but like that was strategically put in place by the government so that it would like, you know, basically there'd be no more Indians eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, But traditionally, we didn't identify each other by how much blood quantum you have. That's colonizer tactics. Mm -hmm. And so it's very complicated because a lot of us, you know, like I am mixed. My mom was actually adopted and Mm. we don't know what her lineage is actually. I just know that, you know, my biological father is Northern Cheyenne and then that's where I'm enrolled. Mm. But if I marry someone who's not Northern Cheyenne, my children won't be able to be enrolled as a tribal member. It's very, very complicated. So I, I think about that, you know, about how Whoever this mystery man is that I'll one day marry or hopefully marry or maybe not. Maybe that won't be for me. But, um, you know, for my children, what that looks like for them, Mm. you know. Yeah. And will I be living in Los Angeles? All my family lives back on the res Mm. and and no one really outside of my immediate family has raised children off like far from the author reservation are far from our community. What was it like growing up on a crow reservation being northern Cheyenne? Well, My mom remarried, um, and I was not raised by my biological father or my Northern Cheyenne families. Um, We look very, very different than my Crow relatives. Like, my dad who raised me, who's, like, an amazing, amazing man. Like, you know, we're lighter complexion. Um, My natural hair color is very, very light. Um, And we just have different features. And, you know, uh, when I met my Cheyenne side, I was like, oh... This makes sense. Mm. <laughs> this is where I come. You know, like, my oldest brother is, like, my twin. He's, mm. like, giant and, like, has, like, light-colored hair. He's just, like, a force. So, you know, you get teased for looking a little light. Or I remember being a young person wanting to, like, dance powwow. And this, like, crow boy, he said something really mean to me. Like, you white girl kind of thing. And I was like, got shamed out, so I quit dancing. And, mm. you know, I remember that. And now as an adult person, I talk to my, my nieces and nephews because I know, like, what that feels like. And also on top of it, understanding that that's, you know, lateral oppression mm. and that's not our actual ways and to understanding, like, where that comes from. Have you found a Native community in, in Los Angeles? I have really, really great Native folks here who I consider my family. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've kind of, like, found the, the hustlers out here, like Martin Sensmeyer, who is um, Klingit and Athabascan. He's from Alaska. We were out here just kind of, like, making our start and yeah. just held each other and so that we had, like, family and community to, like, remember. Because, I mean, I can't imagine if I didn't have that sort of, like, support system here and how, like, lost I might get in this city. What was it like arriving in L.A. into an intensely white world of fashion? So you arrive here from Montana? Yes. Uh huh. To describe who I was at that time... You know, I loved baby fat and kind of this, like, the bamboo hoops and, like, um, you know, I wasn't wearing, like, Timberlands because they were too expensive. So I was wearing lugs, which mm-hmm. are, like, the oh, blue yeah. leg version. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> so that's, like, what I looked like uh-huh. in my, like, fashion sense. But because um, I actually went to public school, like, right off the reservation is, like, right in Wyoming. It was, mm. like, we live, like, near the border. 
A lot of us Sheila's have been there. All of us Sheila's. You know, I couldn't afford to buy like, you know, cool clothes or whatever. So I like made my own things and like had my own little style. But yeah, so when I moved here to Los Angeles, it was like culture shock. Like, you know, I remember at that age too, like being afraid to walk into like nice restaurants or fancy stores because I'm like, no, I'm from the res, man. Like, this is not where I belong. And and here I was like in school. I graduated at the top of my class. I was actually very, very advanced because I already had like a really core like sewing skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, like I already had like the fundamentals because a lot of um, the girls who went to design school were just kind of like, oh, I want to be a fashion designer and like had no clue. Whereas like I'd been raised like sewing and creating and having this like natural skill set. What was it that made you stay? And I can only imagine the feeling of being like, uh, what is happening? Like, I do not belong with these people or doing mm-hmm. this thing. Like that sense of outsideriness like once you get past it you realize like how much strength that built up in you but when you're in it it just fucking sucks especially when you're a child yeah Yeah. i mean never feels good but when you're figuring out who you are for the first time away from your family yeah um i tried to leave so many times but my parents were like no we don't have the money to bring you home and like what i really really am grateful to my parents now as an adult is that no matter like basketball i remember i tried to play soccer and volleyball they made me stick it out to the end like Mm. Okay, next year you don't have to, but you committed to this, so you have to finish it. And I like was so mad at them <laughs> all the time because I'm like, I hate it. Like, look what look what's happening to me, and like, I hate this. But they always made me finish my commitments, and that's something that they ingrained in me as a young person. And so that was the same with college. Like, my mom and dad, you know, they said like, you have to finish this, and then you can come home. And by the time I finished, I was like. No, this is for me, you know? Yeah. So I'm really grateful to my parents for making me finish my commitments. And, and that's something, you know, I'm very proud of myself is that's a, my in my character that I will finish what I say I'm going to do. And I will complete things to the end. Is there any way that that applies where you're like making something and you're like, this isn't going to turn out well, but you do you ever stop in the middle of nope <laughs> okay no. you still you you're like you know never what? quit never quit no. I never quit I mean I'll get it to like are you gonna green light this or not but I will work and work out a design until I'm like no this no this and then so I'm learning to like find a little bit of balance in that where it's just like okay like sometimes things don't work just let it go Beth you know girl let this go welcome <laughs> I mean I think that that's actually something about being a mashup kind of no matter what your level of privilege is or what your successes are at a certain point in life it's kind of like it 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 serves us well to have a little bit of a just like a I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it like that like kind of <laughs> yeah. there's a drive to it about being or like um, a hunger sometimes yeah. the hunger eats us but sometimes the hunger really drives us really far mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's a hustle Can you tell us a story of how you started Be Yellowtail Collective? So, end of 2014, I met my business partner. Her main name is Kim Mraz, and she is just the, like, she is the dopest, dopest woman I have ever met. And she's, like, a little um, Yoda slash, like, <laughs> fierce 
just a force. Um, I met her at a mutual friend's house for over Thanksgiving, and I was working in corporate fashion and just kind of like, you know, I had got to the level where like there was no more growth to be had and I was bored. I was ready to just like leave corporate fashion and take the leap. But what was stopping me is that I didn't have like a business foundation. Anyhow, I happened to be at Thanksgiving dinner and my dad was there and I was like, oh, you know, telling her the same spiel. I'm ready to leave. But You know, I don't know how, I don't have a business background. I have no idea where to start. Lo and behold, like, I had no idea she has a background in corporate finance. She has started multiple businesses. She definitely did not do well on that course in business school. (laughs) I was like, you make this discount of cash flow. I don't want anything to do with that. She's brilliant. (laughs) Um, So I was talking to my business partner. I had no idea. And... She's like, well, I can help you, you know, like, why don't we meet next week and um, kind of see what you need? And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And just kind of let it go. And the next day she's like, hey, can you meet tomorrow? Like, I showed up and this woman had a binder full of like a mock business plan and she had researched everything about me. I was like, oh my gosh, who are you? Like, I'm scared. <laughs> so she was just like ready. And so it started off Is as she like, a native woman? No, she's mm-hmm. actually not. She's married to a native man. Uh-huh. Um, she's actually Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's, she's a good mashup. Yes, uh-huh. she's amazing. Um, and so she understands like the cultural nuances. So it started off as kind of like a, a consultant. And then now she's, you know, part owner of B. Yellowtail. Because um, she really um, worked a couple years without being paid and was like my by my side the entire time like on mm. the phone with me while we had to call vendors at like two in the morning because they're like you know trying to get fabric sent to LA from India and you know we have to call them at two in the morning she's on the phone with me um, and she just believed in Be Yellowtail and what what we're capable of and just um, you know knew this was for her so she's like my secret weapon nobody knows about because I try to like plug her and want her in you know part of like our press and she's like no no, that's you. So we launched Be Yellowtail, which was just the clothing, in like the beginning of 2015. Um, and our first collection like sold out within like a month. And you know we're we're still only producing like, you know, 50 to 100 units of each style. So it's not massive, but the response we got right away was just like phenomenal. Who's buying it, and how did you get to them? It's Native women. Um, mm. We have never had any type of brand mainstream anything that you can walk in and see yourself in you know not home goods not clothing not anything that says like this is indigenous and like this was designed by the original creators of this land like nothing tells our stories Mm. and so when BLTL launched it was native women who came and rallied and they have my back like I oh my gosh I have a phenomenal network of native women in my life like they're in all over in from many many different nations they're not in LA which makes me sad like yesterday I got really sad I was like I miss my friends so I cruised down to San Diego to see one of my best friends but Mm -hmm. but you needed that yeah for sure that pulse of energy yeah I have just a phenomenal network of native women that are transforming our communities um so they showed up and they bought and they keep coming back and now you know BLT has grown and we are shipping internationally we have a lot of Australian um, and New Zealand orders. Mm. Um, what I hope they come is because they know we're, it's bigger than just having Native American designs. Like, we're saying something with each collection. And then in 2016, I launched The Collective, which that started because um, I had gone home 
in 2015 after my first big collection launched. So I moved home for three months. And when I got home, it was like that culture shock that I had when I left at 17 (laughs) in L.A., it was the same. Mm. It was like coming home and I was like, oh, my God. So it took me about a week to get adjusted. And I was like, I can't do this. Like, I think I got to go back. I made a bad choice, you know. You know, never it, quit. We learn. Never quit from so mama I, and papa. I stick it. I stuck it out, like I said I would. And so it was a little harsh reality check. And um, yeah. what are you going to do about it? So I remember being at uh, the one gas station in Lame Deer, and I was standing in line for gas, and this man came up to me, and he had some um, really really beautiful beaded earrings. He asked me, I was wondering if you wanted to buy these. Fifteen dollars. I just need gas money. And I was like, you know, excited at first. I was like, oh my gosh, these are beautiful, like trying to dig for cash, which I regret not having, buying them in that moment because it just like really changed the course of what I was doing. And then I got really sad because like he was selling it for 15 bucks when these earrings should have cost 125 bucks minimum. And it like hit me hard. I'm like, how can I have this platform and not do anything about it? So that's how the collective was born. (laughs) So me, I like go think really big all the like all at once and I called Kim and I was like we need to hire people here and like people need jobs and I can't not do anything my family is struggling you know and like she was like well we can't move from manufacture there right now but what we can do is like why don't we start highlighting the artists from the communities Mm. I was like oh that's brilliant. And um, at the time, I was dating um, a crow man from home. We started just kind of like looking on Facebook and reaching out to our relatives and like seeing like, oh, so-and-so makes this and so-and-so makes that. And when we launched the collective, I would say um, 10 of the artists were my immediate relatives. And then right now we've expanded to First Nations artists in Canada and the Northwest and it's so different from what I was raised around. And then um, Southwestern artists who do like more like turquoise and silversmith. So, you know, the goal is to keep adding more artists. We're for sure going to be adding, you know, artists from south of that so-called border. And the goal is to have indigenous people from all over the globe to be able to be a part of the collective and show that like kin relationship that has kind of faded over time and to restore that Hmm. I mean there's something about this like renewed exploration of all the aspects of native culture I think uh, there's so many misconceptions about how any group that is not part of the mainstream is somehow then a monolith like all Spanish-speaking people share the same culture Mm -hmm. or all native tribes have something deeply in common when you're learning all the time too Mm-hmm, for sure. I learn more every day. Um, like, for instance, we have an artist from the Blackfeet Nation, which is like northern Montana near Canada. And so quill work is a very, very old art form. And she has like the rights, which is like in their traditional ways, like you have to be given rights to be able to work with them. Um, like our it's art like forms. A copyright. Yeah, yeah. I learn things like that all the time, which I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's so amazing. And yeah, sometimes I'm going to be told, like, no, you're not allowed to use those things. And um, when I have my ideas, I have relatives and, you know, elder folks to ask and say, like, is this appropriate or not? And so even myself, I have to ask those questions. There's such a delicate dance between creating and also honoring the roots Mm -hmm. and, you know, modernizing the things that are ancient and respecting them. But also saying, like, this is my the I, I want to make certain creative choices. 
you know, I don't always have the answers. And sometimes people don't agree. And tribe to tribe, it's going to be different. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, sometimes I get my feelings hurt when people are all mad. But I'm like, well, you know, like, I went through the proper channels that I have access to from my family. And, you know, I got the the green light. And the bigger picture is this. So Mm -hmm. it is um, it is a delicate dance. And sometimes I cry and get my feelings hurt. (laughs) But, um You know, I don't take full liberties to do whatever I want. I I would not be so bold to do that and say like, oh, I can do whatever I want. I'm an artist and everything can be influenced because I feel like there's a lot of that, you know, non-native designers. I've heard that a lot like, oh, like everyone's influenced by everyone and cultural appropriation is so a drag or whatever, you know, but like they don't see like the actual like connection to how it impacts our communities Mm -hmm. and like the actual like violence that cultural appropriation does to our communities. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Well, it's like Land of Nod would have never, or I'm glad that they did not, put out a collection that wasn't a partnership with you or Mm -hmm. another Native artist. Yeah. That would have been outrageous. For sure. Wait, so I'd love to talk about that. Like, I'm interested as a person who likes to make businesses, too, in how you're growing. And I assume they're coming to you because of who you are. So that was a really phenomenal uh, collaboration. Actually, the creative director at the time, her name is Shauna Strawn, who's now at Ikea. Shout out, Shauna. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she has uh, Chickasaw roots that mm. she had told me about um, when we actually met in person. And she's like, I don't know a whole lot, but this is important to me. She was kind of, you know, the gatekeeper there and said, like, I want to do a collection that celebrates, you know, Native identity and I want it to be right how do we do this she handed me all the creative power and said create a baby line do whatever you want and I was like wait what but what about and she's like whatever you want and I was like so that was really hard for me to just like accept you know we're so used to saying like but what are the guidelines like and and also with creativity some constraints are helpful yeah do you need like four pillows like where are we at yeah Yeah. (laughs) exactly so um she just was like full creative power here Bring as many artists as you want, however you want to do this. So it was really, like, scary but exciting because I was like, okay, baby collection, baby collection, how do I do this? So I was like, all right, well, how do we celebrate babies in our community? So the overall, like, story I wanted to share is this is how we welcome life into our communities. Mm. We already had all the artists who, like, um, Billy Work, who does star quilts. She is... A quilt maker in her community and so it's actually for new life and when people pass or when people are being you know honored or welcomed into the community you give them star quilts mm-hmm. and it's it's normally handmade um and it's like you know an investment for people and it's it, in some ways it's sacred because it's a very like important gift like mm-hmm. it's it's honoring people um and then i was like well we prepare moccasins we prepare cradle boards and i was like okay how can we incorporate these things it's still beautiful but they can be for like children no matter where they come from bestulas yeah bestulas <laughs> yes um and beyond no no <laughs> just using my one word your, your one curl word yeah. <laughs> what is that what is the experience now being like when you're having huge brands coming to you being like you you tell us what do you want to do when like those brands historically have been stealing I guess like it took a it took really a while to process it because like I I got really emotional every time I would see um, people tagging us or posting us in the products. Um, if you live in your community, that you have access to them, 
But like now there were indigenous women who may be like displaced from their community or like are in the city now. And they were able to have that same type of traditional thing for their children Mm. and also for their babies to be able to see themselves in the stores, like to see a reflection of themselves. Like that makes me so um, like I was just crying in a mess all the time because I was like, oh, my gosh, like imagine if, you know, as a young person seeing yourself in them because we never had that. Even our parents like grew up in a generation where like you know my father remembers my grandpa saying like when they went into town like there were signs on the doors that said like no dogs or indians allowed Mm. and so like to feel to see yourself like accepted in that space and it's actually coming from your community members and it's coming from your tribal pupil and it's not someone else telling your story for you like it's really like monumental and I for me it was like such a massive win because I know like that sets the precedence for what is possible and I hope that you know, other brands follow suit and know that there's like power in collaboration with integrity. Mm. Maybe like really fascinated by Native people, but like let's do it in a way that like actually like impacts community at large and like mm. is doing actual good for Native people. Right. Um, it's a sort of idea of like, well, the B Corp or the sort of double bottom line. Like, mm-hmm. what are, how are you doing well and doing good? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And so I hope that like, bigger clothing brands start doing those things too. I want to know what is next for you. So I'm not really sure what the answer is, but we're growing. We're going to be big. (laughs) We're um, moving forward. We're going to be doing more. It's not going to stay just uh, telling Native American plain stories like from where I'm from. I'm going to be bringing on more indigenous artists, people of color to like stand with one another and tell a common story through fashion so um i'm really excited i'm really really excited yes be yellow tail and everything bethany does like i'm literally gritting my teeth because i was so excited about it <laughs> it's just gonna be so big her work is important and it answers a real need and it taught us and teaches us about so many people's creativity and the beauty of of, of traditions while also making them modern it's just it's so so beautiful um you know bastila fashion your time is up mm. <laughs> You love that word. You know, I do. I do love it. (laughs) It's a good one. I'm glad that we learned it. Um, Well, what I love about her is that she's doing all of this world-changing work with serious business acumen. Like, I want her to make all the money. I want her to become a huge star with all the influence because I think her ideas are truly going to set the world on fire. Well... That's it for this week. You can find Bethany's Fashions and the Collective at B. That is the letter B, yellowtail.com. And do you know any other mashups out there that we should know about that are making waves, that are setting the world on fire? Shout them out. Send us your pics at yo at mashupamericans.com. This episode has been produced by Lizzie Jacobs, Erica Romero, and the Mashup Americans Creative Studio. Our theme music is by DJ Rob Swift with additional music by Alot Moman. Find us on social at Mashup American. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, applepodcast.com slash mashup. Thank you for listening. Yamo. Bye. Bye.